It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. It is estimated that about 30% of consumable food products are wasted worldwide, but that number is considerably higher in the United States. Conversely, about 13% of Americans are food insecure. Kathleen Hu, a senior in industrial and enterprise systems engineering, is providing a solution through a startup called Dibs, a technology platform and organization to connect excess food at grocery stores to local food pantries. They're on a mission to reduce food waste while fighting hunger. For her efforts last month, Kathleen claimed the $20,000 Illinois Innovation Prize, while Dibs was a finalist for the COZAD New Venture Competition. Kathleen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mike, for having me. Well, first off, let's just talk about the, uh, the need, certainly. Um, and I know that a lot of people have uh, questions about what is best used by or sell by dates, and I'm sure grocery stores, they're pretty much obligated to rid those of the shelves once they reach a certain date. Right, so there's so much food that gets wasted because of reasons like um, people don't really understand these dates of like best buy, sell by, use by. So actually a lot of food is still good to eat, still nutritious, and and it's just fine to eat, even if the date on those packages are passed. It's more like a liability um, on the manufacturer's side to make sure those dates are as is. So um, there's really so much food that is is still good to eat that um, grocery stores just can't sell anymore because of of those reasons. So talk about how you got interested in this uh, in this idea. Um, I'm really passionate about susta- sustainability, so. This idea kind of came through, um, we first started actually connecting excess food at restaurants to um, people. And so we saw that there was like, then we like deep dived into the problem and saw like how much food was wasted. And we, I think someone um, came up to us and talked about um, how there's this another need of like food insecurity. And we hadn't like really thought about that until they brought it up and we were like, wow, like, this like the more we like talk to people, the more user research we did, the more we were like, oh my gosh, like something needs to happen. This could be a logical way to like fix it or like alleviate it because food waste and food insecurity is like both. A lot of it's like logistical issues because there is like a lot of food that foods there, and it's just like getting from point A to point B. Well, I know at one point uh, uh, there was somebody that was interested in taking, we know we had such and such food at a restaurant that's going to be wasted. They can put out, you know, something uh, over social media that special on whatever at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the food day, um, and people can get deals that way. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea, too. <laughs> so um, you started this in 2016 um, in Champaign-Urbana. So g- give me an idea of the number of grocery stores that you've partnered with. Um, right now, we have two, one in Urbana and one in Champaign. So our partners are Common Ground in Urbana and Fresh International Market in Champaign. Um, so with us, they've saved thousands of pounds of food 
um, and found like new solutions to like existing problems in their gro- or existing situations in their grocery stores. Okay, so what typically uh, happens to the food uh, when they reach a certain date? They're, they're taken off the shelves and, and basically thrown out? Um, that's usually the easiest cost-effective solution and time-effective solution for grocery stores with dibs we're trying to provide an alternative to that. Okay, so uh, where is the food going? How, who are you trying to connect? Okay, I can walk you through sure. kind of how dibs works. Absolutely, that'd be great. So um, a grocery store would open our app um, and take a picture of what is available to be donated and make a small posting, including like what time um, someone can pick it up and at what specified time and location. And then on the agency side, so the food agencies we work with are like soup kitchens, food pantries, um, churches who do like community dinners for like the, the public. Um, they can view a dashboard of what's available, um, see what they can accommodate and what suits their needs, called dibs on it that's the name, um, and then go pick it up. So it's it facili- it's like an online marketplace where that information is transparent, um, and we have, we're have we coordinating kind of like, the or they're actually coordinating pickups, but it's, it's to enable that um, transaction to happen. So, and just to reiterate, that food is still good. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. they're, you have food at the end of its life, so to speak. It's, it's very, uh, you know, very, able to be eaten and, and no problems and actually taste good. Exactly, exactly. So we're dealing dealing with a lot of uh, produce and foods that are not just like processed foods where they're nutritious as well and they're still good to eat. They probably have like maybe like two or three more days of shelf life, which means like they're still like, they're still good for a couple of days, but like grocery stores for different reasons, they can't or they have like a surplus of this food. Um, so it's more cost effective for them to like, if they're getting a new shipment in, for example, it's more cost-effective for them to sell the new shipment than, like, sell to consumers food that's, like, going to, like, like, think about, I guess, like, if we go to a grocery store and we see, like, apples that are um, with, like, two to three days left um, versus, like, apple, or, like, even milk, I guess when there's, like, I think milk is a better example. When you see, like, um, the date on milk and there's, like, a couple days left versus, like, a week or so left. You mm-hmm. People are consumers are more likely going for the ones that have like a longer lifespan. So, um, the food that's like near shelf life is mm-hmm. the one that we're dealing with. Still, still perfectly good to eat, but it's just closer to that um, mm-hmm. that date. Well, I, I can tell you that if I'm at a store and I see that, I may take two or three out mm-hmm. and find the one in the very back that might have, a, you know. Um, uh, a later date, so I feel like I've got longer to, to drink that milk. Yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> Most of us, I think, are. So, um, talk about liability because obviously um, the grocery stores they don't want to be liable if the food happens to go bad um, while they're in in an agency. How, how how do you work out the legalities on that? That's a great question. So there's um, the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Law. I think was passed in 1996. Um, it concerns kind of food donations and what it says is like these donations in good faith um, to the nonprofit organizations would not be liable to the, the donor. Okay. So, but then the agency then takes responsibility to make sure that the, that food is good. Because obviously if you're a food preparer, you have certain health guidelines that you have to, to adhere to. 
Right. So agencies, they um, they follow safe serve uh, certification guidelines, and they're the ones handling the food and preparing it. So it's like they can immediately kind of like spot um, what could be good or like what could maybe not be as fresh. And then they can vouch for the fact that it's handled properly from from the store till they get to the agency till it gets to the the, the plate of whoever they're serving. Yeah, exactly. So give me an idea of scale. Um, how many people do you feel like you've served? How, how much food has been saved, uh, et cetera? Uh, I'm sure you've got uh, some statistics on that. Yeah, so we've saved a few thousand pounds of food. Um, I think like almost about 3,000 pounds of food, which translates um i think we were using good samaritan not sorry <laughs> we were using Fo feeding america like standards um i think it was like 1.3 pounds of food was like about a meal so converting that um also a few thousand meals in our community um in terms of growth we we're looking at expanding to um other grocery stores in the area we want to solidify our base in urbana champagne before um taking it ideally to more cities in the U.S. because we can prove it works here, then um, we just need to get a greater mass. So give me an idea of your team, because obviously you have to have uh, people that can set up uh, set up the app and, and so forth to make sure it's working. Uh, how many people do you have and what are some of the roles? Um, we have six people on our core team right now. So there's me, there's Sohini, who's my co-founder, um, and she's kind of in charge of like operations um we have eric who's um a tech lead we have actually someone else recently joined sam who's also helping us with tech um we have mayank who's um our resident uh designer and then we have shutian who's helps us with like competitions and um outreach and then we have david key who is um helping also with operations and logistics and getting things working so so this is team. <laughs> so this is a marketplace you know anytime you would see a garage sale site or whatever you see products go up and then you've got agencies that are looking for particular products and then they you know kind of kind of make a match if you will yeah that's that's the goal <laughs> so do you uh, the agencies they have to be an agency in order to participate uh, I would I would guess how do you how do you vet and figure out who is eligible to participate. So we've, we only have operations right now in Urbana Champagne. So the people who've been recommended to us or that we've reached out to are um, 501c3 organizations. They are, um, they, we know kind of from reputation already like what efforts they're doing. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention is that it's, it's been really rewarding also to like sometimes like stop by the weather, like we've stopped by, for example, kind of like following the food, making sure like things go well um, and kind of like seeing our impact. So like when we saw like Wesley's um, giving out the food that they picked up to the public, it was um, one time they had like international foods from Fresh International Market. And then we saw like um, a lot of the people or some of the people going to pick up the food were from international backgrounds. And them seeing like a variety of foods that kind of like reminded them of home that was that was powerful to see that like um that we can bring value in different ways 
or like when um, Dave Kinney and I went to uh, Jubilee Cafe, which is another one of our partners, and they make community meals um, with our food and serve it to just everyone. It was that was like a lot of fun seeing like um, this food being like served in a dignified manner to people in our community and like seeing the real impact. It's that's been really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think that most food that typically gets donated is you know, non-perishable type items, uh, processed food thing. So the treat of having, I mean, you, you gave a specific example, but I would think having fresh food um, prepared, you know, uh, that way has got to bring smiles to people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> Any other anecdotal things that you can, can talk about uh, in the short time you've been doing this? Um, I... Maybe not as much anecdota, but it's it, our team and the way we're growing. And I just interviewed someone else today for um, next semester. We're all like very mission driven. And so we're all like about the impact mm-hmm. first and foremost. And as a result of that, the fact that we've made a real impact in the community, it's, that's been incredibly rewarding. So has the impact been on just the number of food that's available or certainly uh, the agencies have you know, they've got so much that they can spend. Um, and I would think you're helping their budget, if you will. Yeah, so we have a couple um, value propositions on both sides, to grocery stores and to the agencies. So for the agencies, um, it's kind of like making that connection. Um, so it's they're saving time. And then furthermore, we are helping their budget. Um, I think Jubilee Cafe said, uh, I think they were saving at least about like a hundred dollars every week or so and they're like a very small scale operation so it's like if you if they're able to save this much money they can serve more people um with what they have and and be able to exactly stretch their budget so that's those are their their main value propositions so what kind of food is the most popular that you find is changing hands um a lot of times it's seasonal foods so um if avocados are in season like they were a couple weeks months ago weeks ago it's like then a lot of times like grocery stores will order a lot of it and not sell (laughs) i guess all of it so there'll be like boxes of like avocados or uh, just like i guess different seasonal foods okay well i know at the uh, at the cozad one of the questions was Will you stay nonprofit? Will you look to go profit? And you know, what are some of the considerations to for on both sides? That's a great question. Um, our biggest consideration is like financials. Um, so I'm still having a couple conversations with people this week, and and w- I, I we have been having conversations with people to kind of see what possibilities there are. Um, for going nonprofit, our choice to do that was because we are mission driven um, and we're looking at um, to be sustainable and to keep growing. Raising grants could be an option, but we do want to like we want to make sure we're not taking these grants from like food agencies themselves. So instead, it's like if we can find a way that we can have a pricing model to like grocery stores and agencies where it would be like a subset, a very, like a fraction of the value they get. And for us to use that to like maintain our operations and to scale that, that's like the sweet spot. Okay. So you're talking about scaling up. Um, I think you've looked at, you want to firm up Urbana Champagne, but this to me seems like a model that can really work 
you know, nationally, if, if uh, you prove that it works here, I would think a lot of other people would be interested in using this particular model. Yeah, um, that's our that's our hypothesis. We really want to make a in big enough or, or a, as big an impact as we can. Um, we recently participated in a few conferences. It was PUSH and UFWH, which stands for Presidents United to Solve Hunger and Universities um, Fighting World Hunger, UFWH, right? So from that, we've made some connections of with different like universities in different cities. Um, so those are kind of like the places we're looking at right now to scale because we know kind of the people there um, and how they can help use us in their operations and expand their operations with us. Um, and then from there, I think it's like we'll see where it goes. So I get we haven't we haven't done the scaling yet. It's on our it's in our pipeline, and I, I'm really excited to like kind of tackle that next journey in our in our timeline and see the new uh, challenges that come with that. So then how does Dibs make money uh, off of this arrangement? Is there a percentage of funds that, that flow directly to you that, that change hands? Um, it would still be probably the same model. We're looking at um, like a membership model with grocery stores and agencies. So we're still, I guess right now, our technology is still in prototyping piloting um, mode which means like we have something up and running but we want to make sure it's like it's like flawless so once we start kind of charging we want we want it to be like robust and scalable well you don't start this kind of thing without having a passion for um, hunger or whatever that uh, happens to be just talk about what this means to you personally um, and you know the satisfaction that you have of really making a difference um, that's a great question. So I guess as a kid, my mom would take me volunteering and that's kind of when I like saw that there's so much in this world besides like the bubble I live in. So I think growing up, I had a very like stable childhood and I, I, I feel like I had everything I could want. But then when my mom took me to like I just remember whether it was like to meal packaging events um, with her and her church or going to um, like we went to Chicago Cares while I was in middle school where um, it's, it's also Chicago, shout out to Chicago Cares. It's an awesome organization, volunteering organization where um, you go to the inner cities of Chicago and you help different schools. Um, and and I think I was also a part of a lot of kind of helping people and volunteering um and like tutoring inner city kids um, in high school. So from those foundational formational experiences, I kind of saw all these injustices that didn't, it just like, I mean, at those, ti at those times, it was like, I, I couldn't figure out how to solve them. I didn't know like what to do. I could, I, it felt kind of helpless, but um, coming to college and like, I, I felt more empowered to make a difference, um, seeing so many incredible efforts already on campus and more efforts that I've seen um, through the years. So this is like kind of my my way of giving back. Well, one of the things that impressed me about the COZED competition was just how many uh, startups were socially um, you know, out there uh, and solving real problems. And you know, I was really impressed by that. Um, 
Do you get that flavor around campus that you have uh, students such as yourself that really want to make a difference and are, are socially conscious? I do think so. Um, it might also be the kinds of people I surround myself with, but I feel like a lot of people, a lot of students in college, they have a passion to contribute back to society and help the world in some way or form. Um, I, I really do, I do, I do like the trend in COSI that there are more and more um, socially conscious and social enterprises. Well, you have one year left. Um, I know you, we said before we go in on the air, you're going to be a super senior. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in the next year? And, uh, you know, what's next beyond that? Is this dib something that you will give full time to, or you hope to, you know, do this on the side or maybe pass it off? Um, <laughs> those questions are the exact questions I'm asking myself. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm looking at ways that, I could do dibs full-time, um, and if not, definitely, um, most probably part-time, um, and then I guess the other option would be passing it off. So there are underclassmen that I've met who are really passionate about the cause and are joining in um, in the fall, and and I know that there will, like, I feel like if it's a growth by university model, that's something viable, and I could be on the board of advisors. I do want to stay involved, um, I, just the exact capacity, I'm not sure. Well, Kathleen Hu, it's been uh, certainly a pleasure to have you on uh, the program. Uh, we're impressed by the impact that you're making, uh, even as an undergraduate, and we're excited to see the expansion and, and the growth of, of DIBS. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. And again, Kathleen Hu has been our guest. Uh, this has been Illinois Innovators. I'm Mike Kuhn. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corps of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.